Yo, what is poppin' everybody? Welcome to the Uncensored Christian Podcast. We are on episode four of our series on the parables of Jesus. I'm ready for this one. I'm truly ready for this one because this is one of those parables. And I think I said this in the first episode, but there are a lot of parables where there are multiple characters with multiple problems. And we can actually identify with all of the characters and all of their problems at the same time. And it sounds crazy. It doesn't sound possible. But this is one of those parables where you can you can see yourself in each one of the characters and in each one of their issues that we are about to see here. We're going to be going over the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. This is a popular one and we're going to see why in a little bit. But before we get into it, if you haven't already, go down into the show notes or into the description of this podcast reason why because you're gonna find some links you're gonna find some links that get you connected to the social medias for this podcast if y'all want to get involved and know when we post and see the life behind what's going on at the podcast that is where you can do it there's also a link that will connect you to the video versions of this if you like watching stuff on youtube or you like seeing the beautiful face which is me behind the podcast you can do that as well and then there also is a paypal link which will allow you to um donate and give to this podcast and this ministry if you so choose it really does help this ministry reach more and more people around the world but we are hopping into it without delay the pharisee and the tax collector luke 18 starting in verse 9 jesus is about to start roasting some people if y'all didn't already notice jesus is a roast master you might think that some of the best roasts were on comedy central where people were just roasting celebrities y'all wrong jesus ain't got no problem exposing dirty laundry and letting us know the problems that we need to fix so this is what we see in luke chapter 18 and verse 9 then jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else two men went to the temple to pray One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner." I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. All right, let's start from the very first verse and try and figure out what Jesus is trying to get us to see in this parable. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. So right off the bat, we find out who Jesus is is speaking to, who this parable is being spoken to. And if we're not careful, our first mistake can be made right here. (laughs) If we're not careful, right? If we're not careful, we can go, oh, there must be some really self-righteous people um, who scorn everyone else that Jesus is talking to. This parable must not be for me (laughs) because I ain't self-righteous, right? I, I, I ain't that type of person. But we need to remember that the goal of the parables that Jesus gives is to not only teach us about the nature of God in a lot of them, but also to challenge us. Not just to challenge the audience that he was speaking to at that moment in time, but to also challenge the people who would be learning and reading about these parables for thousands of years to come. So uh, let me ask you again, 
Who is Jesus speaking to? Because I know the text says that Jesus is speaking to people who had great confidence in their own self-righteousness. And we may think, oh man, those people must be really messed up. I'm so glad I ain't like them people. This parable must not be for me. But who is Jesus talking to? He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to literally every single human being that has walked this earth. This ain't one of them parables that you're going to get out of. This isn't one of them parables that you can say, oh, he was talking about a woman that lost her coin. I ain't a woman. I ain't lose no coin. No, no. Jesus is coming for you. Jesus is on a mission to roast some people. He coming for each and every one of us. Why? Because we all at one point or another have seen ourselves in a self-righteous light. And you may be thinking, no, but like, like that ain't me. That, that ain't me. But let me ask you this question. How, how many of y'all have ever thought to yourself, said to yourself or someone else, or, or even mumbled it under your breath? Something like, oh, thank God I ain't like that person. Thank God I ain't like so-and-so. I could never act like Tracy do because she wilding out. I could never do something so bad like Johnny did. What about this? This will hit onto some some, uh, modern political issues, right? Thank God I don't support, insert your um, favorite political candidate, political party, or your political ideals. (laughs) Like, have y'all ever thought that, said that to someone else, or even mumbled it under your breath? Thank God I don't support Trump. Thank God I don't support Biden. Thank God I don't think it's okay to abort babies. Thank God I don't think it's okay to write. Like like how many of y'all ever have put yourself in a position where you feel like you are better than somebody because of something that they have done or something that they believe? And if that is you, which it is every single one of us, then this parable is for us. The people that Jesus was talking to who had great confidence in their own self-righteousness is every single one of us. So congrats. This parable is about you and it's about me. So we need to study it and figure out what Jesus is trying to tell us and trying to challenge us to do. So let's hop into this. Jesus said, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. Two men went to the temple to pray. This is actually kind of cool how this parable leads off because it's almost like a a reverse of the Good Samaritan parable that we just went over in episode three. Because in the Good Samaritan parable, you had two men, the priest and the Levite, who were coming down from the temple. They were leaving Jerusalem, coming down from Jerusalem, going to Jericho. So you had two men who were leaving the temple. And so now this parable starts with two men who were going to the temple and they're going to pray. They're going to pray. Now, there's something important for us to realize here is in our modern understanding, in the way that we use the word pray, it's different than how the word pray would have been used in the language that Jesus spoke. When when we think about pray, right? Oh, oh, I'm going to pray. We think about something personal, something kind of quiet to ourselves that we have an intimate moment between us in God. And then we'll think of like an outward expression of that as worship, right? Singing, screaming, thank you, Jesus. That That's the worship. But for us in, in our modern culture, praying is something that we often do in silence. 
by ourselves. We may do it in a group, but it's only one person praying normally and the other people listening. It's more intimate. It's more secluded. And then worship is something that we do out loud um, together. But this is not how the word pray was used or understood in in the language that Jesus spoke, because Jesus spoke the Semitic language of Aramaic. And the word pray in Aramaic is used both for how we use the word pray, for a quiet, intimate moment with God, and also the outward expression of worship. So when Jesus said that they're going to the temple to pray, he meant that they were doing both. And I'm going to read a little excerpt from the book, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes by Ken Bailey, because he gives an awesome example of how the temple services used to go down back in this time. And we can kind of understand how when they went to pray, they were both like praying personally, but also worshiping. So he says this, the only daily service in the temple area was the atonement offerings that took place at dawn and again at three o'clock in the afternoon. Each service began outside the sanctuary at the great high altar with the sacrifice for the sins of Israel of a lamb whose blood was sprinkled on the altar. Following a precise ritual, in the middle of the prayers, there would be the sound of silver trumpets, the clanging of cymbals, and the reading of a psalm. The officiating priest would then enter the outer part of the sanctuary where he would offer incense and trim the lamps. At that point, when the officiating priest disappeared into the building, those worshipers in attendance could offer their private prayers to God. So what he's noting is the normal daily routine in the temple involved both outwardly worship and then um, a more private prayer amongst the people. This is actually kind of important to note for the rest of this passage. So the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like the other people. Cheaters, sinners, ugh, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Oh my goodness. Like, like, what? what? Yo, <laughs> can, can we just, can we just acknowledge for a second that this prayer, this dude was out of his mind? <laughs> like, like. Like, there's really no way to react to this other than, than just saying, like, wow. <laughs> like, what on earth was this dude thinking? He really just said that. He really just prayed that and thought that was okay. I want to take a moment to point some things out about what he did here. First thing I want to point out, he is standing by himself. It, said that, it says that the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. So he, he's separating himself. This Pharisee already has the attitude of separation. He already has the attitude that in some way, shape, or form, he should not be associated with the people around him. He needs to be separated when he prays this prayer. And my question is why? Why why does he do that? I think the honest answer would just be simply, we don't know. We, We don't know why. And there's been some speculation as to why people like to dig into this stuff a little bit more deeply than I ever would. And and they would say, oh, you know, the Pharisee was concerned about his ritual purity, right? So he didn't want to be around all these other sinners, all these other bad people who were um, unclean because then it would defile him and he couldn't do his duties and, and all this stuff. But I mean, it, the text never says that. The text never says that the reason why he's standing by himself is for purity reasons. And I think Once again, the silence of Jesus on the reason why he was separating himself speaks really loud. I almost take it the same way uh, when Jesus was explaining why the priest and the Levite didn't help 
the man in the parable of the Good Samaritan. He didn't give an example. Why? Because there's no example or no reason that's good enough to do something like that. So here, I don't think there's any reason or any example that would be right that that would justify this Pharisee from acting like he did, separating himself and saying a prayer like this. Ain't no ritual purity would ever get in the way of of treating people like this. So I don't think there's any good excuse. We don't know why ultimately, but I don't think there's any good excuse as to why. But let's take a moment and roast his prayer. Because Jesus is about to start roasting near the end of this parable, but I, I'm going to start the roast a little bit sooner. Um, so there's three types of prayer in the, in the first century Judaism. There's three types of prayer. The first type is a confession of sin where you're like, Oh God, yo God, I pray that you please forgive me for my sins. I messed up. I messed up big time. I didn't mean to yell at big mama like that. I just got angry. Lord, please forgive me for my sins. That's the first one. Second one is thanks for something that's received. Thank you guys so much that you give me this house and you give me a roof and you give me a good job. I thank you that I'm loved. That, 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 that's, that's, that's the second prayer, being thankful. And the third one is petitions for oneself or for others. So saying, yo, God, I pray that, that you just be with me, that you give me favor. I pray uh, for my cousin Elroy, that you be with him, that you love him, Get, you know, praying for yourself and for others. Those are the three types of prayers. This Pharisee didn't do that at all. Ain't ain't none of them three types of prayers in this prayer. All this prayer was, if we could even call it a prayer in quotations, is him just roasting the people, just literally judging them right there and then comparing himself to them. That was his quote unquote prayer. But here's, here's the kicker. Here is what takes this parable to a whole nother level for me is that when we pray, we do it in silence, right? If we're praying to ourselves, we do it in silence. We may do it under our breath really quietly, or we may think it. Um, but that's not the Jewish custom. That That's not what the Jewish people did. It was Jewish custom for them to pray out loud. There, there's different um, writings that say that a prayer is not actually a prayer unless it's audible, you know, where people can hear it. That, that was their belief. And so this clown is praying this prayer out loud. He's flaming the whole temple. The Pharisee is going in on the whole temple and he's doing it out loud. He's doing it audibly. Imagine if that happened today. Imagine if you in church just trying to, to get right with God, you struggling. And all of a sudden you hear someone next to you and they're like, thank you God so much that I ain't like Stacy because she cheat on her husband. Thank you so much, God, that my breath don't stink like Antoine. Lord, I thank you that I am a, I ain't a ratchet parent like Monique. Like, could you imagine if someone in your church was just praying this out loud? And that's what this Pharisee was doing. And the worst part about it is that he was trying to disguise his self-righteousness as a prayer. He was trying to disguise his need to feel better and feel uh, more important than the people around him as a prayer. And because of that, he's missing the biggest point. He's missing the biggest point. This is what doesn't make sense to me. He's thankful that he doesn't compare to the people around him. It doesn't make sense to me that he's thankful for that and that that's something to be proud of because that was never the standard to begin with. God never asks us to be better than our friends and family. 
He asks us to live up to his example and his commandments the best that we can. I mean, this will set somebody free if we can truly understand this. If we could just stop trying to live up to our surroundings, if we can just stop trying to live up to what society says we should be, if we can stop trying to be better than our brothers or what our parents were or or the people around us, if we could just stop trying to live up to the world and start living up to the example of Christ, just imagine how much better your life will be. And you may you may be thinking, But living up to Christ is unattainable. Jesus was perfect. There's no way I could ever live up to that. And you're right. It is unattainable, but it's still admirable. And here's my question. My question to you, my question to myself, and my question to the Pharisee. Why would you ever want to live up to the people around you? The very people that have sinned and fallen short and made countless mistakes. Why would your goal be to live up to them. And that's what makes his prayer so crazy. Is he's acting like because he is better than the other people who are sinning and struggling the same as he is, he, he thinks that, that that makes him better in the eyes of God. But we're about to see how the tables get turned. So check out what happens. After he prays this prayer, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Ain't that something? I think to truly understand what this tax collector was feeling, we need to understand who were the tax collectors at this time. Because they were different than what we think of like tax collectors now, right? Like the IRS. Uh, Because these tax collectors, uh, nobody liked them. Maybe that's the same way with the IRS. I don't know. Y'all might not like the IRS. I don't know your situation, but nobody liked these tax collectors. They worked for Rome and a lot of times they would take far more money than what was actually required. They, they would steal from people. It was terrible. They, they were greedy. They were slimy. They were dirt bags. Nobody liked the tax collectors. And we even have an example of that case uh, with the story of Zacchaeus. It says in Luke 19 that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector who became very rich. And people were mad that Jesus would even talk to this notorious sinner. So people did not like tax collectors at all. So here we find him standing at a distance. He's standing by himself, kind of like the Pharisee. And again, the question is, well, why? Why is he distancing himself? What's going on here? Some say that maybe it's because he realizes that he's unclean, right? Others say it's because he realizes that, that no one likes him. I mean, could you imagine if, if your money just got snatched, if you knew someone just stole from you and then they try and roll up in your church and worship with you, you could imagine that they, if they saw you (laughs) and, and they knew their reputation that they would try and distance themselves. Or maybe, maybe the reason why he's standing by himself is the same reason why the Pharisee's standing by himself. I know before I said that we just don't know why they're standing by themselves, but here's an idea. Maybe wrong, maybe right. What if them standing at a distance reflects what they feel on the inside? Right, because think about it. The Pharisee standing by himself because on the inside, he feels like he's better. He feels like he stands alone, that nobody can stand with him. Nobody can be near him because he is on another level, far superior to everyone else. And then the tax collector is standing by himself at a distance because he knows that in this setting, in the temple, that he's standing alone, that nobody would want to be around him. Nobody would want to be in his presence because of how despised he is in the community. 
Maybe that's the reason why. I like that. That was good. I didn't even plan to 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 say that, but God just showed me that. That that's powerful. But all we know is this. He wouldn't even look to God. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. He was that ashamed. He he realized that he was messed up. He realized that he has issues. And it's because of this that his prayer is a total 180 to what the Pharisee prayed. Look, look at what the tax collector prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. That's a complete 180 to what the Pharisee prayed. The Pharisee was like, yo God, I'm not a sinner. <laughs> I ain't like these people. I'm good, homie. Like I'm chill. I do what I need to do. I tithe. I'm good. And the tax collector realizes that he ain't all that, that he's messed up, that he's got some problems. And so his prayer, instead of saying how he is distinguished from everybody else, he simply comes to God and asks for mercy and acknowledges that he is a sinner. I think it's important to note that he beat his chest in sorrow. This expression of sorrow shows up one other time in the Bible, and that's in Luke chapter 23 and verse 46. This is when Jesus was being crucified right after he died. Check out what happens. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. And having said this, he died. Now, when the centurion or the Roman soldier saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, This man was in fact innocent. And all the crowds who came together for this spectacle, after watching what had happened, began to return home, beating their chests. If the only other time that someone beating their chest is recorded in the Bible is happening, because of the death of Jesus, you can imagine how bad the tax collector felt for what he did. You can imagine the anguish and the sorrow that the tax collector felt to beat his chest if that was the same reaction that the people who saw Jesus die felt. He realizes that he's messed up. He realizes that he's got some problems. So look how this parable finishes. Look what Jesus wraps this up with. This is where he starts to roast people. He says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This theme of those who are high up being lowered and those who are low being raised is a common teaching of Jesus. It's a common teaching. But I want us to pay attention to who the tax collector becomes justified before. This will help some of y'all. This is so good. I love that Jesus said this because the tax collector is not justified before man. It said that he was justified before God. This is why this is important that he wasn't justified before man, because I can promise you the next day that tax collector was still hated by his community. I promise you the next day while he walked the streets, that tax collector continued to get bad looks and people continued to talk about him under their breath. I promise you that this tax collector was not justified before man because man would not have been able to see the inward transformation that happened to this tax collector, but he was justified before God. And this is important for us to understand the importance of of just of justification that we place in our lives are we more worried about being justified and looking good to the people around us or or are we more worried about looking good and being justified before god 
Because you can have God do a full heart transplant. He can wipe you clean. He can transform your life. And your friends that you was out with last night are still going to see the same old you. You can repent and you can receive forgiveness. And your family can still hold a grudge. This is why it's important that he was justified before God. Jesus is trying to remind his audience that the only justification that matters is God's. That's why he tells us time and time again that the world will hate you, that your family and friends may try and go against you because you follow Jesus. And that's the beauty of this parable is that the man who was despised and unjustified by man ends up being raised up and justified by God. And the man who was upheld and justified by his people, the Pharisee, he ended up not being justified before God. The question is this, what's the challenge for this parable? Where are we supposed to be challenged? What can we do going forward to make a change? And this is what the challenge is. Realizing that we are both the Pharisee and the tax collector at the same time. Realizing that we are both the Pharisee that oftentimes can fall into the trap of thinking that we are better than others and that our justification lies with the people around us and also realizing that we are the tax collector who is a sinner who needs God's mercy even when people around us don't want to support us. That's the challenge. Realizing that we are both in the same at the same time. Y'all, I thank y'all so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope you are enjoying this series on the parables. If you haven't already, share this with your friends and family because the word of God is not meant to be kept to yourself. Share it with people. They would love it and it would really impact their lives. I thank y'all so much for hanging out with me. I will see y'all next week. Peace out.